Well, good morning. How are you? Good. 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 Raise your hand if you're like, why did Phil let him get back up here after last time? You guys are too sweet. Hey, I'm so excited to be here this morning. I uh, hope that you just get energy from the weather outside and bring that in and um, just what we already have today in our worship, those songs that just lead the way um, for what God has put on my heart this morning just makes me uh, so excited. And man, what a what a series it's been so far, uh, just to see the richness of this of this book, uh, Titus, and see uh, everything that we've gotten out of from up here, from downstairs in the in the children's and the small groups, and what we're gonna we're gonna do on this do good series or do good day. Um, just awesome to see dive into this this book, um, and it's kind of a fun day for a. Uh, See this little parallel of what uh, we see in in this book of Paul, the author of this of this book. He he takes it upon himself to be this this person who's going to lead Titus. He gives instructions. He he leads this young person, and so uh, it's kind of a fun day where Phil gets to kind of pass that baton on to me. Someone who is younger, um, may I add much, much younger than, than Phil. <laughs> I, love to give, I love to give Phil a hard time about his age. Um, because if you were here last week, you, you heard him point out that I'm not even a millennial. I'm, I'm a Generation Z, which is like, you guys probably didn't even know that was a thing. It's like the youngest of young. Um, and Phil is, he's either baby boomer or Generation X, I don't know which one. But so there's an age difference, and I love to mess with him. One day he uh, he's like, so we were dreaming about doing like a podcast, and he's like, if we did a podcast, what would be the name of our podcast? Like what what's our duo name? And I, I just to mess with him, I'm like, our duo name is before and after. Like you know that you know that transformation picture you put on Facebook of like the young and handsome person to the now old and gray. Which I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. I love to give him a hard time. I'm glad he's not here. Let's hope he doesn't uh, listen to this this message. But on a serious note, um, what I what I've seen from this this book uh, of Titus is you know how we've learned that we need to be good examples. We need to constantly pour into younger people. We need to um, show the love of Christ in every situation, every environment that we're in. And I just want to say. I know Phil wouldn't say this from the pulpit, but um, how lucky we are, how blessed we are to have a pastor like Phil uh, to to pour into us. To yeah, see now I hope he does listen to this. <laughs> now uh, we're going to be continue our trek. We can still have a good time without Phil. We're going to continue this trek in Titus. We're going to be at the end of chapter two today. I need you guys all to buckle in because we're, there's going to be this kind of change of pace that um, Paul takes in this in these few verses. Um, so far, you know, Paul's been giving these uh, these instructions to Titus as this young pastor who we've we've heard is in this crazy environment, like this most toxic environment that you can really get, 
And he's given these instructions, you know, do this, do this, do this. And we've, we've had this theme, um, our series is do good. And that's what he's been saying. But here we get these verses. I want you to really see today where we're going is Paul takes a step back. He, he, he takes a step back and he says, I need you to understand why. I need you to understand why I'm saying do good. Because uh, if you don't understand why, like Titus alone, if he doesn't understand why, that's, that's going to crash and burn. But if the people that he's, he's teaching, he's pastoring, if they don't understand why, they're, they're not going to be able to do these instructions. You need to know why. I could have, as a children's pastor here at Tapestry, I could have this crazy idea, uh, this incredible vision. And if, if my people, if my leaders aren't bought into that, and they don't understand why we're trying to get there, then we're not going to get there. You need to understand why. And one of the biggest, uh, best examples is if you go downstairs, you will hear the question why a bajillion times because little kids love to ask why. Why? 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 All the time. And if you have a little one, you're smiling right now because you hear this all the time at home. Why? Brush your teeth. Why? Don't eat that dirt, Charlie. Why? Please don't pick the dog up by its neck. Why? It's just, you're always asking why. And that, that's, that's, are they being annoying just to be annoying? No. They, they, they want to know why. And they, they want to know the, the reasoning behind this. And they're asking the, the person who, who seems in their eyes to have all the knowledge as, as an adult. We know we don't have all the knowledge. But in their eyes, they look at us to have all. And they just want to know the reasoning. And there was this time when uh, I was a, a kid that I wished I knew why I was doing something. And that is my, my story of learning how to ride a bike. I wish I knew why my dad was giving me these instructions. And so we lived in this uh, small house, small town, Iowa. Um, there was this, this big old backyard. It was beautiful. We could, we could play. Me and my sister, uh, there, we, we lived in town, but we, we, we had like no neighbors behind us. And so this yard just went back. And there was only like one tree, a swing set, and, and a garden. Like that's all. And we, so we had this whole... My dad had this brilliant idea. He's like, let's, let's teach Jacob how to, how to ride a bike back there. You know, it's grass. If he falls, he's not going to get banged up. And so we did this. He took off my training wheels, you know. If you've ever taught someone, it's a big day when you teach them how to ride a bike. And so we get there, and um, we get backyard. We get my little bike. And um, oh, there's one thing I forgot to mention about this backyard. It's like this giant hill. <laughs> the whole time. Like the whole way. And so... All of a sudden, my dad's brilliant idea to teach me how to ride a bike back there wasn't so brilliant after all. But listen, training wheels are off. We're going to conquer this. So we're, we get back there, and we get my bike out. And, uh, you know, someone you teach someone the first time, you just don't push them. You, you kind of get going until they, they go in, and at the right time, you release. And me, I'm terrified. <laughs> like, not only are my training wheels off for the first time, but I'm going down this giant hill. And so I kept hitting the brakes, like every second, you know, brake, brake, brake. And I'm not going fast enough because I, I'm hitting the brakes, and so I fall over. And so we get back up, we get back to the top of the hill, go, 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 release, brake, fall over. 
over and over again. My dad, you know, he starts getting frustrated because he wants me to learn how to ride this bike. And so he, he gets so frustrated that at one moment he, he gets down to me and he goes, Jacob, if you hit the brakes one more time, we're going inside. Don't hit the brakes. And so, that's okay. So we get back to the top of the hill and... Um, What's on the back of my mind? Don't hit the brakes. Don't hit the brakes. Don't hit the brakes. Because one, I didn't, I didn't want to go inside. I was having a blast. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to ride a bike like my friends. Two, I didn't want to let down my father. I, I, he, he said, don't touch the brakes. You know, the way a, a kindergartner looks at their, at their dad is like no other. You know, like this is, this person is amazing. Like, I don't want to let him down. So that's where my mindset is at. And so we, we're at this top of the hill and he releases me. Go, 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 go. Releases. I get going down this hill. Okay. And I, I, I'm like, my feet are probably like next to my ears. So I didn't want to even accidentally touch the brakes. And so I'm going down this hill, like probably like 80 miles per hour. And that's, that's like definitely an exaggeration. Um, but in my, my mind, it was that fast. And I said there was one tree in the backyard. <laughs> My front tire hits that tree, and I catapult right into the tree bark. I actually have a picture for you guys this morning of what my first... Yeah! Yeah! That is my first experience of what, a, what riding a bike looks like. Yeah. Can you imagine... A kindergartner walking back into school next day, black eye, like, uh-huh, yeah, who's, who's the boss now? All right, give me your juice box. Yeah. No, wait. Should have seen the other guy. Yeah, that was, that was not so pretty after all. Um, and my friend, like my best friend, didn't want to be my best friend anymore. <laughs> like, he's like, he like ignored me until I got better. Um, and that, I don't blame him. I was terrified. Um. Please don't turn my dad in. This is an accident. <laughs> this is an accident. Um, but why? Why did it, it not go well? Because the whole time I was focused on the rule. The whole time I was like, I don't want to let my dad down. I was focused. Don't touch the brakes. Don't touch the brakes. I didn't touch the brakes. I was focused on that rule. And really, did my dad want me to fail? No. He wanted me to succeed. My dad wanted me to conquer riding this bike. He wanted me to experience the feeling of riding a bike. He was, he was for me. And I think that's a lot of us as, uh, on our Christian journey. We're, we're so focused on the rules. We're so focused on not letting our father down, not screwing up. And really, he just wants us to fall back in his freedom. Fall back in the experience of riding in his freedom, the, the, this journey. And we're so focused. And if we get so focused on not screwing up, I can promise you we're going to crash and burn. Maybe face first. Um, and so that's where we're going this morning. Um, if you want to open up and follow with me, we're going to read Titus 2, 11 through 15. Um, and I'm glad we can get that. That picture off the PowerPoint. Um, So we're starting in verse 11. And it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives 
in this present age. And while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is very of his very own, eager to do what is good. So like I said, Paul, he's telling us, he's been telling us, do good, do good, do good. And here we get the why, why we do good. And so he gives us really two main reasons of why we do good. And the first is we do good because of grace. We do good because of grace. In verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation for all men. And what does that mean? What does Paul mean when he says grace has appeared? Because throughout the Old Testament, we, we see over and over again, you know, with, with David, with Moses, I mean, they, they screwed up. God was gracious to the Israelites. He was very gracious. That was his character. But Paul's saying here, for the grace of God has appeared. And just think of in his shoes, um, especially for the first or the uh, 12 disciples, that for the first time, grace is visible. For the first time, you can see grace through Jesus Christ. When Christ was born, grace became visible for the first time. I want you to take a moment and just think about the word grace. Now, Gary saying this morning, this is amazing grace. What does that mean? What does grace mean to you in light of the cross? What does it mean that our Father, that God gave up His one and only Son, the only perfect person that has ever walked this earth, and He gave up His Son for us, for you? What does grace mean? What does it mean that Jesus carried the cross, literally carried your cross, was beaten, was nailed to the cross, all for you? All of a sudden, that that word grace just gets bigger and bigger. Someone's like cranking up the font size. Like when you realize what grace is, you're like, wow. God must really love us. In this verse, I love that it says that he loved us so much that he wanted to purify us from all wickedness so we could be a people of his very own. A people of his very own. God loved us so much that he he wanted us to be a people of his own. He he was he was selfish. He wanted us to be his. He didn't want no no devil, no Satan to come and snatch us up. He wanted us to be his. And he knew that there was only one way. There was only one way to do this. To give up his only son through grace to forgive us. Do you realize how many times humans have turned against God throughout history? Like we hear it throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites over and over again. Peter in the in, in the Gospels, three times. 
over and over again, humans have turned against God. You've seen it with your own eyes. You yourself have turned against God and and chosen worldly passions over Him. And that's the crazy part. We get to the cross in the Gospels. We get to the cross and, and Jesus who is you know, the almighty God. God, he, he knows the past and he knows the future. And so when, when Jesus is on the cross, he knows everyone that's turned against him. He knows everyone that will turn against him, pick worldly passions over him, ungodliness. And get what he says when he's hanging on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not realize what they are doing. He's hanging on the cross. He was thinking of you. And he says, Father, forgive them. For I want them as my very own. He died for you anyways. That is grace. That is grace. We should do good because of grace. And most of the time, we think of grace as our Savior. Like I just explained it, of course, that's, that's truth. Grace, only through grace we are saved. But now, because we know that, all of a sudden, grace the Savior becomes grace the teacher. Grace the Savior becomes grace the teacher. And because we know what Christ did on the cross for us, grace becomes the power to, to help us say no gives us the power to say no and turn turn away from ungodliness. Paul says, turn away, say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Because we know what Christ did, we can say no and renounce our old ways. But do we stop there? Is that all grace really is? No. Paul Paul's saying that if that's all grace was, is just turning away, turning away, turning away from evil then the Christian life could be summed up as thou shall not. Thou shall not get drunk. Thou shall not sleep around. Thou shall not treat people poorly. If that's all our Christian life is, that's not us. Paul's saying our life should be because of that. Because we can say no, our life now becomes Thou shall. He's saying that, he's not saying just turn away. He's saying because of that, turn away and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. All of a sudden, because of grace, we go from ungodliness to godliness. Because of grace, we go from self-centered to self-controlled. Grace not only makes it possible for good works, it makes good works necessary makes it necessary. Grace makes it necessary to live out good works. Because of grace, we should do good. So he tells us to look back. And then, and then he says the very opposite of that. Look forward. Because we should do good because of glory. We should do good because of glory. In verse 13 of this chapter, Paul says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. While we wait for the blessed hope. 
What does that mean? simply means that we wait, we hope. Blessed hope means hope that brings blessings. That's pretty simple. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Jesus appeared in grace so he could reappear in glory. And as Christians, we believe that we believe the gospel is that Christ came down for us. We believe that he died for us on the cross, that he rose on the third day, that he ascended into heaven. But we also believe and we know that he's coming back for us. We know that he's going to return for us, going to return for the church. He's not finished with what he started. He's coming back. I hope that like gets your blood going this morning. I hope that you feel like he's not finished. And though our salvation may not be complete until the second coming, Paul's saying that because of grace, because of glory, he offers a new quality of life right now. Right now. And right now, we're, we're just at a home away from home. We're like at this Airbnb uh, for, for just a little while because Christ. Christ is coming back. In our life in this world, it's not permanent. But we should be excited that it's not permanent. Because Christ promises, God promises something that we're going to be in this beautiful place, in this beautiful union with Him. That should make us excited. Glory should make us excited. Paul says that we should be eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. And that simply means be enthusiastic about your faith. You should be excited about the glory that is yet to come. People, people aren't attracted to a faith that is just a set of rules. If I, if I lived my life as a Christian, that was, that was, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this, I don't want to mess up. How many people would look at my life and be like, man, I want that? Not many people. Not many people. Our, our, this do good should be enthusiastic. It should be attractive to someone on the outside looking in. And if I fall back in the, the love of Christ and I look both ways and I get pumped about my purpose right now, people are going to start to notice. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. They're enthusiastic about what Christ has done and what he has yet to do. Genuine faith means looking in both directions. And so, wherever you're right now, you may find yourself like, maybe there's this, this friendship or a family member or a co-worker that is extremely difficult to be around. Maybe, maybe there's, there's someone in your life that is just draining. And you get like kind of sick to your stomach being around that person. And you're just like, ah, oh, man. The easier way is just to step back. Just let it go. But I believe that, I believe that we, can, we can pray to God. And we can say, Lord, please help me find my purpose right now. Right here. Please help me 
realize why you brought me into this situation and give me a new energy. Help me be enthusiastic and walk into this relationship and shine light into this darkness. Or maybe you're, you find yourself, you're, you're at work and you're like, why, why am I here? Am I just here to get by? Am I just here to provide for my family? I believe that you can find your purpose in a cubicle. You can be like, okay, Lord, how am I going to bless my people around me and shine light into this environment? We can be enthusiastic because he is yet to come. The truth is, is he's not finished yet. And how he's how we're going to get there, how we're going to get to the right place for him to come back. He's going to use us as a tool to to do his work on this earth. So that should make us excited. We need to be inspired right now by looking in both directions, be inspired right now by looking in both directions. Someone who is uh, on the outside, maybe a non-believer, who's like, why are you always so stuck in the past, man? Like, why can't you live for right now? Or like, why, why are you just sitting here waiting for the future? You just need to, there's stuff that needs to be taken care of right now. And Paul's not saying, Paul's not, that's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying get stuck in the past. He's not saying, you know, get too focused on the future. He's saying look both directions for right now. He's saying live right now. The point is, is that we need to look both ways to see what is going on right now. Because we've been learning. He says, older men right now be matured and dignified. Older women, right now be reverent and teachers to the young. Younger women, be good wives and good mothers. Younger men, dudes, all you need to be is self-controlled. Focus on being controlled. All of us have been told to, to renounce evil, live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Maybe you've heard the quote, live today in light of yesterday and tomorrow. Live today in light of yesterday and tomorrow. Think of it like this. Grace shines in from the east window over there. And it shines this perfect light on our moment right now. And then, and then glory comes from the west window and shines light on our purpose right now. And for us to truly see why we are here, we need that perfect light from both directions. We need grace and glory to shine a light on why we are here. I need I want everyone to I want everyone to look to their right. Everyone look to their right. Now look to their left. Okay? That's pretty good. You guys are pretty good at this. Yeah. Now I want everyone to do both at the same time. Yeah, some of you are going to throw your neck out. Call the chiropractor. See, that's, that's physically impossible. That's physically impossible. And that's, that's my point is that, you know, we, we can try to do both. We can try to follow these set of rules. But if we're doing it just physically, we're going to fall short. This is a spiritual thing. 
We need to fall back in his love and look both directions. And that happens when we lean in to the relationship with Christ. It happens when we lean in because we, we can't get there by ourselves. Which brings me to my last point. There's a difference between a good person and a godly person. There's a difference between a good person and a godly person. As we're, we're making this trek through Titus, I don't want you to be misled by the title. You know, he said, do good, do good, do good. The truth is that anyone can make themselves look good. Anyone can make themselves look good. I mean, I was, I was the master of making myself look good throughout my whole life before I was a Christian. I was, I was a teacher's kid, um, so like I, I didn't, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, got good grades. And so on the outside, I looked pretty good. People would say I was a, a good person. I can tell you I was, <laughs> I was not a good person inside. A, a, a story for that is uh, first day of eighth grade. My, uh, I hated math growing up. Like I, I hated math. I got good grades everywhere else. And then came math. And so it's the first day of math, eighth grade year. And a uh, teacher, who's actually my neighbor, uh, next door neighbor, is passing out um, the, the math books. And I get mine and I notice, I open it up, and I'm like, there's something different about this book. I've gotten a teacher's edition. <laughs> teacher didn't realize what he did. So what does that mean? I had every answer to every question and equation. So what did I do? I didn't tell a soul. <laughs> didn't tell a soul. I was going to get by eighth grade math because of this miracle <laughs> that I thought had happened. I was like, okay, I just came the worst math student and now I'm the best math student. Come on. We're going to get through math. And let me tell you, it went pretty good. It went pretty good. You know, that was August I got that. Let's fast forward to April, where I'm still copying the answers word for word. Going pretty good, until it wasn't. Yeah, turn around in the story. Um, we had a take-home test. Pretty easy if, for me. I just copied word for word. Turned it in. Next day, come into class. And remember, this is my next door neighbor. Uh, teacher had crossed out the name on this test so no one would know who it was and hung it up on the front board for everyone to see. And so no one knows who it was, but I could tell right away whose it was because of the handwriting. My heart started racing. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on here? He'd circled three questions and there were three essay questions. Because I copied word for word, I had written answers may vary for all three essay questions. I just written answers may vary. So I guess who asked to talk to me after that class? He's like, hey, can I see your book? All of a sudden I was back to the worst math student. Yeah, yeah, not so good. Uh, but the whole the whole year you could have asked anyone. I was I looked like the best math student. I looked like a good math student. And that's. That's my point here. Hopefully you get from that is that you can make yourself look good if you put the effort to it. 
And maybe it doesn't take any effort at all. It just happens to you. You can make yourself look good, but there's a difference between a good person and a godly person. If you're not doing it for the right reasons, if you're not walking through this journey that you've been called to for the right reasons, it's all going to come crashing burn, cra- crashing down. And so I just want to say that you can, you can follow a list of rules. You can post on Facebook as many verses that you want. You can come to church. You can even go on a mission trip or, or bless someone with your money. But if it's not for the right reasons, why are you doing it? That's Paul's point. Is You need to know why you're doing good. You need to know why. If you're doing good to receive God's grace and glory, you're not going to find what you're looking for. Because the truth is, God's grace has already been given to us. It's already right there. And Christ coming back for His glory is going to happen no matter what. And so if you're doing good to try to receive those things, when in reality you've already received them, and because of those things, you do good. You don't do good to receive that. Because you have received, you do good. If you know, if you look back to grace and you look forward to glory, that goodness, doing good things, should just naturally flow from your heart. You should be inspired to do good because of grace and glory. And so I don't know where, <laughs> where you're at this morning. So close up. I have no idea how God is trying to speak to you. I feel like there's someone, someone in this room. Why, why God put this on my heart? Someone just feels like they're going and they're, they're on that bike and they're, they're, they're afraid to, to hit the brakes. They're afraid to disappoint the Father. And they're, they're, so, they're so focused on these rules. To, so they look good on the outside. It, it will wear you down. It will wear you down. Put so much time and energy of trying to please others. Trying to conform to this world. When deep inside we're so empty. And we, we, we're, we're empty in here and we try to give out good. We try to do good things and it's just for the wrong reasons at that point. And so if that's where you're at this morning, I just want to let you know that you've already been given everything you need. You are already loved by our Father. You, you can't you can't dis- disappoint him to a point where he's going to turn away. He is for you. He wants you to succeed. So I just fall back into that, that grace. Get enthusiastic about that glory in doing his work and doing good. Genuine faith. So if that's you, I just pray that you would... Uh, Pray with me this morning um, as we close up. As Gary comes back up. If that's you, would you just just be in an attitude of prayer with me? Father, we, we come to you this morning so humbled by 
who you are. As we, we look at grace, we can't, even, we can't even explain why you did what you did. We can't wrap our minds around the kind of love that, that you have shown to us. Father, as many times as we have messed up, that we have chosen worldly passions over you, you continually lean into us, call us back into your arms because you want us to be a people of your very own. Father, I pray that we continue to focus on you coming back and realize that there is so much more work that you're calling us to do and that we would just see the light shining from both directions onto our purpose that we would just continually do good because it comes from the right place. Do good because it's genuine, authentic. Father, I pray for the people who are worn out from trying to meet other people's standards, who are worn out from trying to look good on the outside. really good just comes from the inside. So Father, we lift what you have done already from this series, what you are going to do on Do Good Day. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be a people that just fall back into your love. And because of that, people would see that and find it. I want what they have. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that humbles us. Father, we love you. Continue to love you as we walk out these doors today. Father, we lift you up. In your name we pray. Amen.